Hey there, Sports History fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Homefield Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. Our friend, historian, and author Tim Brown has some very unique and historic events and aspects of football history that uh, really enjoy. But this one that came up for our topic today is a formation that I had never seen or heard of before, and it's really quite interesting. Tim's got the scoop coming up with the football archaeology in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal for positive football history. And we have a Tuesday, and once again, we are going to go down the road of football archaeology with Timothy P. Brown of that website. Uh, Tim Brown, welcome back to the Pigpen. Hey, Darren. Thanks for having me back. Look forward to having a little chat. Yeah, I I think it's going to be a pretty interesting chat. And this is going to probably be one where, where folks are going to want to go to your website, footballarchaeology.com, and go to your tidbit from September 27th of uh, 2022. And because uh, there's a very interesting picture that's uh, sort of the forefront of this discussion tonight, and that's on the, the reverse center. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, so here's, you know, one thing about this reverse center is it's... Um, you know, football coaches, just like, you know, any business, probably, they're always looking for something new. They're always trying to find a way to, uh, you know, just improve their process, do something more efficiently, uh, or just trick somebody. And so, you know, one of the, one of the things that has, it's been kind of a, a dynamic in football, you know, forever, is the difference between, you know, a an innovation or an oddity or exploiting a loophole, right? So when somebody does something new and, you know, almost no matter what it is in the game, if it fits within the rules, okay, then, you know, the football world adapts by either uh, saying, Hey, that's a great idea. We're going to start doing it too. And, you know, others take it on or they look at it and go, no, that's not the way we're supposed to play this game. And then they, they they ban it. They change the rules and get rid of it. So, you know, anytime something new comes up, you, you don't know which one it's going to be, right? So you have stuff like um, uh, huddling was new in the 20s. People didn't huddle before that, you know, a couple here and there. Two platoon football, icing the kicker, calling plays from the sideline, all those things we're not part of the game at various points in time, but you know, somebody came up with a cool idea and, and, you know, others bought into it, but you also have things like uh, 
Bo Schembechler, who uh, his Michigan teams kept getting beat in big games that were played on grass. So he decided he was going to, he had their equipment people put washers on the bottoms of shoes because the rules said you couldn't have, you know, spikes longer than a half inch. So he had them put washers on and then screw the the spikes in uh, so that they extended further, but they still were only half inch spikes, right? So, so then the next year, you know, the rule makers got on and changed the rule and said, you know, you can't, your spikes can't, you know, be the end of the spike can't be more than a half, a half an inch from the bottom of the shoe, right. To get away from, you know, to stop people like Bo from doing things like that. <laughs> so anyway, so, you know, I've, I've had a couple different you know topics on the uh, articles on the site. Like we're going to talk reverse center tonight, but yeah, you know, I've done one in the past on the reverse quarterback, the tower play, the 12th man on the field, you know, who was a coach rather than a play, it was a student coach rather than a player, you know, just all these kind of goofy little ideas. But so the reverse center, just to describe it, you know, to the, to the listener was, um, you know, if you just think about a center who's going up to snap the ball, just like normally approaches the line and, you know, facing the defense. Well, that's the norm, but in the reverse center, the, the center turns around and instead of facing the defense, he's facing, um, he's facing his backfield. And then he, you know, squats down, reaches between his legs and grabs the ball. And then he you know, snaps it double underhanded. Right. And so, you know, you kind of go, well, that's stupid, but you know, the, um, it first came up in like 1912 and then, you know, mostly what I wrote about was 1941 when, when Syracuse implemented the system, and his thing, you know, the coach's thinking, and it was you know Ozzy Solom. He, he, he wanted to be able to pitch the ball or snap the ball to running backs who were you know further you know spread out, and he he used what he called the Y formation. So there was a quarterback immediately behind the center. There was another like a fullback type immediately behind him. And then the two halfbacks were behind the tackle. So they were, you know, a little further spread. And so by snapping in the reverse center mode, the center center could, you know, swing his arms to the right or to the left and get it to a halfback who, you know, at the snap was already heading, you know, know, starting to sweep. Um, So just, you know, it, it enabled them to sweep to, um, send the ball in a you know wider arc, uh, but he could also just sit, put it you know give it right back to the quarterback. Um, and then they thought at the time that the the center facing away from the defense also gave uh, gave the center the ability to pull uh, you know more quickly. And so the funny well one of the interesting things about it is the line coach at Syracuse that year. Uh, was a guy named Bud Wilkinson, who became a pretty famous, successful you know, football mm-hmm. coach. Uh, you know, so anyways, you had, you know, two pretty good football minds working on this thing. And, you know, they came up with this tactic, the, the, uh, the reverse center. So, um, you know, there was early on, there was some contention about its legality early in, in 1941, but, you know, then, 
you know, some folks on the football committee said, hey, it, it works. It's, it's within the rules. Nothing wrong with it. Uh, we may not like it, but, you know, here it is. And so Syracuse had a pretty successful season. They upset. They weren't, you know, they went to Wisconsin to beat them when they weren't expected to. Um, I think they ended up like six and three, you know, something like that. Um, but uh, however, at the end of the year, <laughs> the, the football gods uh, decided um, by, the, by the time they met in early January of 42, um, they had Pearl Harbor had occurred. And so they basically said, you know, we're going to make virtually no changes in the football rules kind of for the duration. And, but we will adjust some things here and there. And one of their adjustments was they required, they, they modified the rule to say that the seven men on the line of scrimmage have to be facing their opponent. And so with that, the uh, reverse center died, <laughs> never to be seen again. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm sitting here thinking about when I first saw that, you know, first I, I laughed and I said, oh, this can't be right. And then I read your, your post on it. And then I started thinking from a defensive side and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, you're, you're explaining that, that Y formation and a, a good portion of the snaps are either going to the quarterback or the fullback directly behind them. Well, I'm going to put somebody, you know, in a nose guard position, a zero technique will be called today. And I'm going to blow that guy up from his rear end and his, his he's going to go head first and blow that play up into the quarterback and uh, fullback. Now, so they better be pitching to the halfbacks every time on their their you know off tackle plays or whatever they're doing. So, yeah, that. yeah, and you know, I, I can't I can't tell you exactly how they adjusted or how they you know how they managed that, um, but but they did, and uh, you know, it, it proved to be successful, and you know, hmm. uh, you know, they won they won a couple of big games doing this reverse center. And, but you know, again, the football God said, this isn't football the way we intended it to be. And so, so it became an oddity rather than an innovation. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting when you were saying that about some of these innovations coming in that people haven't seen before. Um, I, I know at least in the high school uh, rule book, at least from six years ago when, when I still, was still officiating, they had a rule near the beginning that uh, was kind of a, a catch-all rule, which I, I thought was probably one of the most brilliant things they put in a rule book. It said that if anything happens that are not within, explained in this rule book, it's at the referee's discretion to make a decision in the you know, fairness of uh, you know football, of a fair and play, level playing field, which you know not not exactly in those words. I forget how they are, but that's basically the gist of it. And I I read that you know I can remember as a young official coming, I'm like, oh, okay, where are we? there's so much stuff in here. Where are they people going to come up with stuff that that's not in the rule book? Well, when I end up getting a white hat, well, it seemed to happen quite often. And uh, one, one thing that comes to mind, at least in our area, uh, you know, quarterbacks at high school level, were starting to go more and more in shotgun and go to more uh, spread formations. So they had uh, what was called, you know, the, the, the foot kick or the, the stomp start, you know, to start kick a man in motion uh, where, where you see it's, you know, we don't even uh, blink at it today because it happens all the time in the pro level where, you know, quarterbacks back there in shotgun, he kicks his foot and the guy goes in motion. Well, back when they, they were first doing that, there was a big uh, discussion. I know in officiating circles, Hey, is this a false start? 
Should this yeah. be considered a false start or is this, you know, part of not sim? You know, Cause a, a false start is anything that simulates action at the snap and the ball's not snapped. That's, that's ba the basic definition of a false start. So this is an odd uh, occurrence and, but he's not really simulating action at the snap. So there's a lot of discussion there and it, there were some inconsistencies uh, in particular, one team we had in our area from uh, crew to crew, from referee to referee, how they were handling that. And uh, we had to get our heads together real quick and uh, decide what we were doing. But uh, yeah, just some things yep. like that that happened. And, you know, the reverse center is probably something like that. Well, and, and that's one of the things when when huddling first came in, um, you know, it was just like you're saying, there were some referees that said, no, you know, this is stalling and therefore we're going to penalize you. That was a two. It was a two-yard penalty at the time, but hmm. but they you know they penalized him, and and others said no. This is perfectly fine as long as you get the ball you know snapped in reasonable time, then then we're good. Uh, so you know they had that same kind of discussion, but uh, just because it was new, you know. Um, but you know that that whole issue of the um, the referee having that dis that discretion, I think one of the. Um, I remember, you know, coming across it, that being at least part of the conversation when, you know, there's been a couple of times where some guys running down the field out ahead of everybody and a fan or a player comes out on the field and tackles. Right. And so then what do you do? Is it, do you award the touchdown? Do you, uh, do you give them the ball at that spot? You know? And so those kinds of just bizarre uh, situations, they are, you know, one of the reasons that they've, they empowered the referee as they did and, and, and they should. Yeah. It's uh, as an official, I, I learned though, because those are, those are judgment calls, like what you just described, the kickstart, you know, things like that, the reverse center, that's a judgment in whoever's officiating its uh, view, if that's legal or not, and giving an, a fair or unfair advantage to uh, one team over another. And uh, you know, that, that's when you would call a foul, but judgment is the toughest thing to call a judgment call because that's something where half of the people in the, the stands are going to like it. Half of them are not going to like it. Uh, whereas you have things that are cut and dried, you know, like a, an offsides or a false start or, you know, things like that. Those are, you know, that that's just plain, that's a foul. It's uh, you know, it's penalized. There's, there's usually no question uh, about it. It's not a, there's no judgment in it at all. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. Uh, it, you know, it's always, interesting to get the kind of the, the viewpoint of a referee right um because not that many you know there's a lot more people who've played the game and watched a lot of football than have been out there in the wearing a zebra shirt yeah well they're, they're always looking everywhere for officials so if uh, somebody's interested you'll contact your, your local high school chapter or you know your local school athletic directors and they can uh, for sure get you into uh game of officiating because it's a great way to look at the game and you'll learn a lot of the game and see some things from the other side, so to speak. So it's a very interesting, at least from a rules take. So uh, Tim, why don't you uh, take the time right now to share with uh, listeners where they can find uh, your tidbits, how they can uh, get them in their email inbox or their Twitter each and every day. Yeah. So, um, so number one, if you just, you know, if you want to check out some of the articles and, and uh, the things that I write about, just go to footballarchaeology.com and uh, you know, all the archives and everything's available on there. Um, 
you know, I release a today's tidbit every day. Um, and so if you, if you want to make sure you get it every, every day, uh, subscribe and you'll get an email with the content, uh, sent to you, um, you know, at seven, seven o'clock Eastern every, every e evening. And then, uh, you can also, you know, I post everything on, on, uh, Twitter as well. So, you know, I'm football archeology span on Twitter. So find me there if that's the, the way you'd prefer to consume. But you might miss some stories that way. So that's the problem. That's yeah, you, the danger. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Don't want to do that. <laughs> Subscribe. It's easy. So, it's very painless. So uh, Tim, Tim, thank you very much. Keep up the great work of uh, preserving football history and enlightening us uh, on uh, some of these great uh, antiquities of, of the game. And because uh, we sure enjoy them and love to talk to you about them. And we'd love to talk to you again next week. Very good. Thank you again, sir, as always. That's all the football history we have today, folks. Join us back tomorrow for more of your football history. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude. And I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.